Hi there, I'm Jack Bull, your host, and welcome to the Hole-in-One Golf Podcast. I'll be talking with some interesting golfers from around the world, as well as covering many other golf stories. If you would like to reach out to me and be a guest on the podcast, share stories, or to connect, please follow me on Twitter handle at Seaside Jack, follow me on Facebook and at Hole-in-One Books, or the Hole-in-One Golf Podcast, or I'm on Instagram at the Hole-in-One Golf Podcast. You can also search for the hashtag Golfing Tales or you can hit the social links below in the show notes. Please remember to follow the podcast for future updates. In episode three, it was a pleasure chatting with Mike Hearn, an amateur golfer originally from Wales, but now living in Oklahoma, USA. Mike had represented Wales at the home internationals and went on to play in the 2014 Eisenhower Trophy in Japan. After finishing college in Oklahoma, Mike decided to remain an amateur and work in real estate. He then met his wife, and now they live in Oklahoma. Mike talks about his golf, competing in the US mid-amateur, and he tells me more about his popular podcast, This Is Oklahoma, and that one time he went down to do a podcast at the Tiger Zoo. Good, good. Sorry, you told me stuff in my face. Stuff in your face? <laughs> yeah, I got cup of tea and a little, uh, little chalky real quick. So, so is, this, is this like your man cave or something? Pretty much, mate, yeah. Um, Got a little bit. Everything behind me is in shit shape. Everything that way looks horrific. But this is the this is the background. This is the oh, wow. the office. So slowly building the wall stuff here. Cool. The wall going on. A couple of flags, but yeah, getting there. So it's like your memorabilia and stuff like that. Pretty much, yeah. A bunch of uh, seventh place trophies and some flags from some tournaments. But yeah, a <laughs> couple of stuff. I don't know. Well, I, I, I looked on, I, I Googled you and I had a look on some of your scores. So I, I can see there's some good scores on there. I think there was a 62, wasn't yeah. it? Or, or bet, maybe? Yeah, that, that was the first win, mate. Yeah. Um, that was the first win. Yeah, that was a bit mad. 62 with a, a bogey, like the easiest hole in the golf course coming down the stretch. I think I was like nine under through 13 and kept pressing and tried to drive the green on 15, knocked it in the water, made bogey, and then. Um, missed an easy birdie on 16 because it's drivable and then I 17 is like a 230 par 3 like knocked it to 30 feet and drained it and then birdied the last two for that but it was quite it was a lot of fun to actually play with a kid that, I, that was leading the tournament and he was yeah. it was more more enjoyable for me to watch him just lose his lose his shit than it was for me <laughs> to, for, you know for me to actually win but yeah that was that was the first college win yeah but yeah so, I mean, if you wouldn't mind, just, just like, obviously, I've been uh, trying to contact people and just catching up and that. And, yeah, it's been, yeah. been quite good fun, really. I've really enjoyed it. Like, and, uh, I don't know, it's sort of stuff you probably wouldn't normally, well, normally, I personally, yeah, you know, normally you're just wrapped up in your own stuff. And but mm-hmm. I guess the last month or two, you know, everything's been a bit crazier around now, hasn't it? So, around yeah, <laughs> for lots of different reasons, I probably won't bother, uh, you know, talking about that today. But, like, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, how did you so how did you start getting into golf? Like, and you know, what age did you start? And... Uh, so, not I. I always tell people I started like four or five, but I actually really don't know. I think it was just around that age. Yeah. Um, my granddad gave me a cut down wooden shafted five iron. Um, I still have it. It's back yeah. home. Yeah, it, but it, it's got dots in the face, not grooves. That's how old it is. That's that's um, like cheap that's old. Oh, oh yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like, you know, it's not very big. Yeah. Um, 
but I had that and I just I just you know I had that to just hit balls around the back garden wherever um and then I remember it's just any cut down club you did all you need yeah there's any cut down club isn't it and you just need to whack you get going and then you're away like I guess yeah so smashing that around um yeah I still have it it's at the it's back it's at the house back home um I hope I was there last time I went home anyway um (laughs) And then, yeah, I think I just kind of, you know, the usual stuff. And my dad started six months before I started. Um, and then my granddad kind of got us both into it. Uh, yeah. And then I remember joining. I'd always go to the range of hit balls. And I think the more that he got better, the more that he wanted, you know, to have me around and the older I got. Yeah. And I joined, joined Coyote Muster for my eighth birthday because you had to be eight oh, wow. to join. So that was like my birthday present was joining the joining Royal Coid back in the day. It's good that it was a good um, club, that isn't it? And there's been quite a few good players come out of there, and and we used to play them because I played for Port Four, and we played them at juniors. So I think I'm I'm a lot older than you, I think, but um, yeah. yeah, back in the day, yeah, we played Coid, and then Paul Thomas, he came from there. He was assistant, Port Four. Yeah. Good. Well, club. you know, to, you know, Tomo Perry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we poached them all. The boys as well. <laughs> we poached yeah, them all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, yeah. Well. I mean, you know, played there for a bit. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, just like I said, got in the junior ranks and just kind of played a lot. Of, we had a great junior section. Um, a lot of us, I mean, before we jumped on this, like I'm, I was on a Zoom kind of pub quiz day, you know, Zoom call yeah. with all the boy like Perry and all the Coyd boys that I oh, grew nice. up playing golf with. Like, nice. it was, you know, it just, there's not that many kids that have that still friends with the kids that they played junior golf with you know so that's one of the yeah. best things i bumped into perry a couple of months well last time i was home and i you know said hello and that and uh yeah it's good good to see him like see yeah he was a poor school a long time or he was like a mm. perry so yeah yeah good boys yeah so what so i mean did you and then at that point did you look maybe for you know to change it up a little bit and then you moved clubs or yeah so i played Played at Coyd from like eight to eight to eleven, twelve. Because I think you had to be like an associate. You had to be over, I think, twelve to join Southern Down. My granddad was always at Southern Down. Hmm. I remember I got to be like an associate member at Southern Down. I think that was around twelve. So I joined then to, and I could only play with my granddad. And we would always play uh, Sunday mornings. That was his kind of. He played Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday mornings. Um, And for me, being twelve years old, like getting up at seven thirty was miserable isn't it but he's teeing off at eight o'clock on a sunday with his mates and yeah you know that, that was where i got to play a lot of you know links golf as a kid um i wasn't i would i wouldn't say that like i mean as a kid you think that you know you are the best in the world right as a, you know you just got a stupid amount of confidence but i think that i never really played many like county tournaments as a kid yeah. i never played i played uh i think i went to like a trial one day maybe i played under 14s then for Gamorgan. That's when I started playing and met, you know, the legend of John Collins and everyone else. Even the Glamorgan under-14s have still not lost a match, I don't think. Like, <laughs> still going. So, yeah, I started playing under-14s for Glamorgan. Still hadn't played any, never travelled to play any, like, Welsh events. Played usually local stuff. Um, never played, like, you know, any of the big stuff. Even when I got older, I, I was quite late to play. Um, I think I played, like... I never went up to North Wales very much. I, played, I remember going to like, um, you know, all the central Welsh boys in Abu Dhabi and both with my dad for the first time and just thinking, 
like why have I driven all the way out to the middle of nowhere to hack it round <laughs> in this minging weather um, and you know just played crap the whole time and came yeah. home but you know I never I, I think the first kind of like bit where I was like I, I played decent was I made the f- semi-final of Welsh Boys when it was at Newport um, and I think I was like so 16 maybe 17 at the time and I lost in the semis to Ross uh, McClister and then he went on to beat um, Mozza, I think. I think he beat Mozza in the final, maybe. But I remember, like, someone came up to me, one of the selectors came up to me and said, you know, like, um, something like, we would pick you, but you haven't played in anything, so we can't. I'm like, oh, all right, cheers. <laughs> like, Thanks for saying, you know, fair enough, like, whatever. Because um, I had just hadn't travelled. I never went to North Carolina. Yeah, Wales, I mean, you're in the, or anything. Yeah, if you're that close, you, you should yeah. be with a good luck already, shouldn't you? Like, that's, that's probably yeah, not so that, that, bad that, Yeah, that kind of pissed me off a little bit as it does you know you're 16 17 with a chip on your shoulder thinking you're god's gift so um yeah and then next year and i started to play a little more travel a little bit more obviously you can drive then so i played you know a few of the boys who jump in the car and drive up to north wales kind of thing and played a bit more um i th- i never played boys for wales so uh that's probably well yeah so, um, i think i Welsh boys, it probably would have been for the boys team, and that might have been my last chance at it. So I would have been like 17, 18. Uh, so yeah, I never played boys, and then always played, you know, for Glamorgan, played for the men's team. And I remember the first time I played for the men's, uh, we played a like a warm up match in Bilth Wells, and I got paired with Luke Thomas. And Luke at the time, I think, was like, I mean, I'd, I'd never seen anyone hit a ball like he was flushing it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and it was quite funny because we played we played doubles, uh, whatever it is, foursomes, and he had a hole in one to close out our match, on up in Bilthwell somewhere. What hole um, was that? Oh, was it like oh, I was? We, 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 par three down the hill, and he just like oh, yeah. it was like a, a yard from going over the back of the green and down forty yards, but it just kind of spun back into the hole, and we shook hands and walked in, you know, walked in. And I remember all the boys were trying to get him to down a yard of Carlin or whatever it was because he had a hole in one. It was minging. And that was like my first introduction to Glamorgan men's team. I thought, all right, we're, we're on to something here. If we're going to have a few beers and have a good time. Uh, and we did. You know, we had some good nights out. We won the league. And you know, I think we won the league with, with a game in hand. And we all went out in Bath one night. Um, oh, league. Yeah, that's, that's miserable. Awesome. Yeah. Like, hell of a night. But yeah, we... We, we we did not perform that weekend. I think uh, Mike and all the, and Roger just kind of gave us the weekend off, <laughs> uh, as they do. But yeah, that that was pretty good. And I think that like I got to that stage and I planned to go to the states. Um, you know, like I I'd never really wanted to play. I never really wanted to go to uni back home or play golf back home because I knew that the weather was never good. I'd had friends who'd gone to the states and I knew that like regardless of how good I was I knew I could get a place somewhere um which would have been better than you know better than playing winter golf back home going to Newport or you know going and I never even thought I never even knew that there was a golf college in St Andrews or Sterling I had no idea so um applied to go to uni in I think 09 um got uh got accepted to a place in Florida it was Fort Lauderdale Florida um you know we didn't go on a visit, didn't have money to go on a visit. So I just committed. 
And then that summer, my dad lost his job, got made, like got laid off or whatever. So all the money that we had saved um, was gone, like, you know, keep the family going, whatever. So I, I had to like defer and I, when I worked up Southern now for two years. I worked behind the bar and it was class. I mean, I didn't work, didn't start work till 11 o'clock every day. Never worked later than, you know, till the sun went down, really. Uh, played golf and worked behind the bar. It was I mean, right. just the easiest two years of my life, really. Uh, played pretty decent as well. Like I didn't, I traveled a bit more. I obviously had a bit more money because I'm, you know, making a bit more money at the golf club. And yeah, I played a bit of golf, uh, traveled quite a bit. I had a couple of good finishes. But then it wasn't till, still didn't make the men's team. Um, I'm trying to think. I had a couple of phone calls. I almost made it. I had a phone call off uh, Crow. I think one of Hooper's classics, like last two events, or uh, Neil is probably going to watch this. So Hooper was last, you know. Yeah, Hooper's like he usually backdoored his way into the into the into the uh, home international team by like winning the, the gold cross made, and doing well in the app. They're on the back door, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I think he, he he'd done that. Yeah, he'd done that to me. I think it knocked me out of the team. I think that was the. the Oh, West. They were playing Scotland somewhere, I think maybe. Mm. So I would have, I could have been in that team, but he knocked me out. And I was reserved. Um, and then, then I went to uni. Then the, the following, like the following summer, um, applied again. Had one offer. So I was like, well, I can't, you know, can't turn it down. It's either go or don't go. So ended up coming out to Oklahoma. Had no idea where it was. No idea what you know what it was like. It just right. Let's go. Like you know, I can't. I can always come home if it sucks. So. Me and my dad came out here the Wednesday before I started school on a Monday. Um, landed, I mean, jeans and a hoodie, and it's, uh, you know, it's 35 degrees. Oh, it's flat. Yeah. I can't see any mountains. I'm like, this is, this is miserable. Uh, hated my first month. Absolutely hated it. And when I got here, I realized that I was ineligible to play my first year as well. Wow. Uh, which I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. So, you know, oh, I'd flown 4,000 miles. Yeah, flown four thousand miles and, and found out that I couldn't compete my first year. Um, so that was that was awful. And oh. then obviously going home that summer, I hadn't competed, so I didn't do very well. That was 2000, 2012 summer. Didn't play very well at all because I just hadn't had any competition. Hadn't you know basically just been sat on the bench really for you know eight months. So that summer was awful. Um, and then two thousand and. 13 I started to play you know played more played okay nothing special um but 14 was where I started to like really play a little bit um I played uh let's see kind of like the summer of 14 I or the the let's see what is it be yeah be the end of 13 the summer of 14 I played I started playing quite a bit started winning some events um I won six of nine tournaments my would have been my third year in uni would have been so wow. my junior year they call it out here uh which was which was quite quite nice i kind of worked quite hard to that and then i got like you know yeah you've made the squad you made the team yeah. and you're gonna play home internationals and all that and play europeans um i played world am in japan in 2014 that was fun um so it all kind of clicked like just 14 was kind of like a big year you know you just things just start to fall into place you you know win the right events or travel do a bit better and and we had a good crew we had a crew we had a good team a good good boys like, like everyone kind of clicked um we just you know the, the team we went to we went to europeans in in the czech republic and 
you know, it was just a different kind of atmosphere compared to previous kind of events and, and you know, like previous tournaments I'd been on. And like it was me, Westy, Jack Bush, uh, Boot, Pewey. Who else was there? That's a strong team right there, isn't it? Yeah, it was, a, it was just a good six-man team. Like we were just, mm. And we had a great time. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, Captain Chris Reese was captain at the time. It was Chris Reese, John Peters, and Mark Eames came with us. And it was so relaxed. It was like, look, if you boys want to go practice or if you just want to go and have a nap, like knock yourself out. But we, I played really good. Uh, me and Westgate played, you know, foursomes together. Um, yeah, and, and at, that, at that moment, that was kind of 2014 summer, that moment, uh, me, Pewey and Dave Booth finished tied first in the stroke play for the qualifier for the match play. And Chris Reese came up to us and was like, you know, don't, don't say anything else. Like, but you boys, we're going to pick you for World Am. Um, which would have been in September. So we knew like way before, you know, don't make any plans. Like you're going to have to tell your school you're coming back late. And, and, you know, that's like, you know, you're going to Japan. So for me, that that was a huge thing for me. I'd never, you know, like playing, yeah, I mean, playing home internationals for me was massive. Like, but, you know, you make Europeans and then you get comfortable, you know, thinking I can play with these guys. And then, yeah, I went to, went to Japan and, I mean, no, it was, I think it was more like happy, like you're happy to be there. Let's just some, you know, try and play good golf rather than going there with the mindset of we're here to play golf and compete. I think I just, I felt just out of my depth just by showing up. Um, and I think that's probably, I mean, I think maybe that's why some of the Welsh boys don't do as well when they travel is because we're just, we're just happy to get on the team, you know? Um but um, I mean, we might be different going forward. Hopefully, it is. But yeah, when I got there, like we were doing, Neil and Zach took us out there. Um, and Zach bought his uh, his like massage table, this giant table. Walking through the airport, pulling this massive fold-up <laughs> table. Like, what are you doing? Um, you know, and like I didn't see anyone else there with a massage table, but whatever it was. I mean, my legs didn't hurt for the whole time. Massage, nice, but, like, yeah. You know, yeah, having a massage from Zach every night. But, you know, good experience. Golf courses were really good. Uh, people are amazing. Like, just Japan was awesome. Uh, and where I played, like, I just didn't play good. I think I, I was, I'd gone into the tour, gone into the event, like, playing half decent, but, like, playing, you know, like, my bad tendency is to get, too far forward with ball too far back and kind of get a little steep and just hit go my go-to shots like a little punch squeeze cut and i'd gone from that to uh neil had made a few adjustments and said look you need to get on your right side a little bit and get the ball in the air yeah. and that's gone like push my hip forward and start getting on the inside so i'm now hitting like huge high sling draws and i played like a practice round already building my way around these golf courses trying to hit cuts and I step on the tee box. Yeah, I step on the tee box the first day, and I'm like, I'm used to teeing it up on the you know right side of the tee box, yeah. hit and cut. Yeah. And now I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking I can draw you. Uh, wow. So that I just, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I should have just stuck to my guns and just done whatever. But golf, I just, you know, what do you do? Like you're in Japan for the first time, like with with all these people. I mean. Ram, uh, John Ram won it that, that oh. year. I think he shot like 222 under par. I think I shot one over. And um, I think the Team USA won. I remember watching DeChambeau drain the 10 footer on the last to win. Like, okay, that's that's how it's done. Like, <laughs> I got a long way to go, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I came and then when we came back, we flew back that week and went straight into the following week was Wales Open. So that was one of the things that we got into. We got into Wales Open from playing Wales. Oh, wow. Um and again, that was like, whoa, like I'm I'm amongst like, you know, playing a practice round and West was walking past me with, you know, with Billy Foster or whatever. I'm like again, just I don't think I took the opportunity. Mm. I don't think I realized how good the opportunity was. It was more of, oh, I get to play in this, cool, you know. I look back on it now, I'm probably like, mm, probably should have paid more attention to, you know, not just like, oh, great, playing, you know, Wales Open with the boys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, it, I, I, I mean, at the time, but, you know, you look back on it now, I wish you'd have probably taken more advantage of, of yeah. that, like, of that time. But anyway, I had a good time. I missed the cup by two, I think, shot two over, two over, missed the cup. No, shot one over, one yeah. over, something like that. Missed the cup by two. Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's good to play in it, but yeah, I mean, you've got to try, you've got yeah. to good chances, haven't you, when you get them? Like, yeah, and I, I played good, like, I just didn't hold anything. Um, I had Lee Griffiths on the bag, uh, old Lee Griffiths, so that was class. Yeah, that was he's, so he's good. a professional caddy, though, isn't he? So he's like, yeah, 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 on the bag, right? He's... Oh, yeah, yeah, I was really good, I, you know, just. Yeah, yeah. I had, uh, I, and my Sam, my Friday round, I never, never forget it. I hit driver off the first Celtic man. And I get down the little dog leg right, and I get just a little pushed on the right, and I get like close to the spectator ropes. It's eight thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of the boys from the coy are there cracking cans of Stella. <laughs> like, go on, Hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, you know, I don't think there's anybody out here right now who's got their fans from their home golf course or their mates from their home golf course cracking cans of Stella at eight o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, but good experience. I mean, I got obviously other memories from it, but yeah, just the one thing I'll take away from that week is how good they putt. Like, I played with Anthony Wall um, and uh, some guy from the States, and they didn't strike it, they didn't play that good, like, hit it that good, but they made. I mean, every putt they had almost hit the hole. So there's the difference. But good experience. Yeah, sure. And then, and then so after that, I mean, uh, was that like your big year then in America in college? Like when you won all those tournaments or was that? Yeah, that was, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was, that was a big year. Uh, and then, yeah, so that would have been then go when I went back that, that September would have been my last year. So I graduated in 2015. So that, yeah, I played, I got back. Um, I played solid all year. Like I didn't finish outside the top five once, wow. um, but I didn't win anything. Like I finished second three times by a shot. And after winning six times a year before, it's, you know, you're like, you know, kind of wasn't really happy. So I played good. I made it to nationals, uh, finished fourth at nationals. And then, um, my, the day at nat- first round at nationals, I uh, I just I slept bad. The only way you sleep bad, you get a crooked neck. It's like great of all the times for me to sleep bad, but managed to get it round and yeah, I finished fourth. I think I was two or three off, maybe four or five off the uh, off the lead. But yeah, it was a good experience. Golf course was okay, um, but yeah, it was it was good. And then like I never really. As you when you're an international student, you get a one-year work visa to stay. So I stayed. Um, I didn't play that much golf. Uh, so I played a little bit, but um, you know, we. Yeah, just, I, was, I knew I was. 
Like what? What? So, so at that point, at that point, you decided you're gonna settle, basically stay in America and not not come back to Wales and. Yeah, yeah. Like I was. I mean, I play. Yeah, you're right. I played a lot more out here. The, the golf like culture out here for for golf tournaments. Yeah. Like unless it's unless it's like a a you know legit golf tournament. There's a lot of like three day scrambles or two you know pairs events, and they class. Like it's yeah. you know five maybe five hundred dollars per entry. Uh, go play a two-man, you know, two-man scramble, a two-man better ball for three days. Um, you know, no, like, there's a lot of pressure, but it's like, you know, you're, you're having beers, you're having a good time. There's music playing on, on the golf cart the whole time. Like, it's it's just a class atmosphere. And I just got into that. I it's just like, you know, I, I graduated in May and then played my first event at the last weekend of May. And I came home with... Uh, $1,300 in cash and we didn't even win you know I'm like, well, that, are you playing as an arm are you still playing as an arm then or are you are oh you, yeah these were like yeah, playing as an arm, but the, yeah yeah these were like little side you know side Fire bets and yeah. yeah the event we won I think we won like $600 in pro shop wow. credit for the event yeah. and then on top was like you know little side yeah. bets that you've made so yeah I got into that I was like this is this is class you know I can play decent golf and have a good time and not yeah. really worry about it um and yeah i don't know, i just i knew i wanted to stay and i knew that i could didn't really have much chance of turning pro in the states because first of all you need a lot of money behind you uh and you've really got to sell your soul out here to get investors that you know they i chatted with a guy yesterday um he for his first year or first two years on tour, his investors, he basically said, look, I'm not going to take a penny of my income, of my winnings, you, until you get 100% of your money back. And like, you know, you, so, yeah, I didn't, didn't really want to do that. Um, and I, I had some connections, but not a lot. And I, I knew if I, if I was going to go home, it would have had to have been, you know, what is it, Euro Pro Challenge Tour, and then kind of do it that way. But I didn't want to risk not coming back to the States. And, and you know, we got, some people that we both know and everyone might be watching this knows a lot of boys who did that yeah. and now they're either back home working you know doing something they don't want to be doing uh working kind of a dead-end job or they're trying to get back to the states so i just knew that i think deep down i knew that i i just didn't want to give it everything I had a little bit of doubt and just thought you know why not like just take this opportunity in the states and stay here and luckily enough it turned out all right you know all right so you i mean so what happened then like with your career wise what how did you get into real estate and podcasting and what else yeah, um, yeah so when like when you're an international student like, you know you've got a one year work visa yeah. and you've got to work the the, the 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 basically you've got to find a job that's within your degree so i have a marketing degree yeah. and um so which really you can go doing any job if you want to yeah, like real estate so i met this guy yeah yeah exactly so i met this guy um who was referred to me you know i knew i didn't want to go work nine to five just in case i didn't manage to stay after the one year um and figure out you know if i did you know i, I still want to play a little bit of golf so yeah. i don't want to work 40 50 hour weeks and hate life so met this guy got into real estate um and it's quite funny. This, so he, uh, he said to me, you know, look, after this one year, like what happens, you know, like the, the company's happy to invest in you, but you know, what happens when your visa runs out in, <laughs> at the end of, end of May next year? You know, I, I said, well, look, I, worst case scenario, I've got to go home. 
uh, either I go back to school and do a master's degree, uh, you know, and become a graduate assistant for my old school, uh, or and I was like, oh, I'll just get married. And I was completely joking, being sarcastic. And he said, uh, well, my sister-in-law's single. Do you want to go on a double date, like in two weeks? It's like, yeah, why not? Uh, and that's how I met my wife. So the luckiest married around really. Like, oh, yeah. Like I got a, yeah, best interview ever. I got a job and a wife in one interview. It's class. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like we, we went on a double date and just yeah. hit it off. She's awesome. So um, yeah, we got married like nine months later. And kind of, I mean we'd planned on or I'd planned on asking her. I asked her parents and did the whole thing and then we went to uh you know, I went I uh, went to my immigration attorney and was like, Look, what have I gotta do? And she's like, uh, everything's you're gonna be married, and every all the documents are gonna be sent off like by in, within three weeks, or you're not gonna be able to stay. So I had to go to my in-laws and say, can I get my can I marry your daughter like next Tuesday, which which you know, was was a bit of a bit of a shock, but I mean it turned out alright. They're awesome. Um, you know, it's the the good thing is I asked them in advance, right? That not just didn't show up on the doorstep saying. I want to marry your daughter and it's got to be next week. So yeah, that, that's kind of how it went from there. And I, you know, I got into real estate from that. I still played golf as much as I could, uh, but worked in real estate and just kind of, yeah, I had, you know, we had a really good year. And then when we, you know, we got married, got married February, 2016. Um, and then, cause I, the thing is when you're Obviously, the mid-am out here is because I played U.S. mid-am in 16, I think. Well, no, I didn't. I was 20. I played mid-am in 2018. But, uh, yeah, I just continued to play golf. And golf is super expensive out here. So I didn't play. I wasn't a member anywhere. I just played every now and then with the mates. And uh, I started working at a, a local golf course because one of my mates worked there in, when he was in school. And local kind of country club style, as they call it out here. It's like, it was like walking up to the clubhouse and caddyshack like that's the only way i can describe it uh, describe it like correctly coming you know, for people think trying to get a visual of it it's like caddyshack and you know you walk up and somebody comes and takes your golf clubs and loads them on a golf buggy and cleans your clubs i mean i was one of those idiots like that was that was one that was me but i got to play free golf and the golf course is class uh perry maxwell design really really good golf course one of the best in the city the membership fee is i think right now it's 50 grand join-in fee um that you're gonna buy stock which is in in the 20 grand range right now and then a grand a month after that so like that's insane yeah yeah so it was best i mean i would have volunteered to be there rather but i got paid you know pennies an hour just to go clean people's clubs and all that stuff which was easy and it's not you know it's not yeah, hard I and yeah. I quite easy I could talk to anyone so quite easy to make friends and and I made friends with quite a lot of the members there and got in with a group that played every Thursday and Saturday I think um or played twice a week and I would work I would build my work schedule around playing golf with them um the still to them now yeah. yeah yeah you know I made a lot of contacts there and ended up go ended up moving my real estate license to go work for one of them so which I still work for him now. Um, so yeah, that was, that was easy. And then I started playing a lot, a lot more golf then because it was free. Um, and they were pretty like, there was out of the boys that worked there, not many of them played kind of competitive golf. So I, 
you know, it's, it's always nice when you're pretty decent at golf. People kind of treat you with a little bit more respect, don't they? So I, I played I played a lot more golf than I did working there. I, I was lucky. Um, and then, well, I played, what is it, 20, 2017, I played Oklahoma Am, the Oklahoma Amateur, and lost in the semifinal, which was at that golf course. Yeah. Um, took out some kids in that, which... You know, I kind of showed up. Nobody knew who I was. No one knew that I hadn't, you know, I hadn't played golf in a few years. And it was kind of funny to be walk in and nobody knows who you are. And you start rattling some cages and, you know, draining some putts. And people are thinking, who the hell is this white kid from Wales? Like, you know, <laughs> no idea who he is. Uh, yeah, I, I beat this kid in the quarterfinal who played at OSU at the time. And he'd won. He won it the previous year. And he'd won something like 16 straight matches. Uh, in the Oklahoma Ramata, like for the last couple of years, he won it the last two years. Yeah. And I remember I was walking down 17 and his dad said, uh, you know, so where'd you play? I said, I play here. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> I play in practice here every day. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was kind of nice. And then the following in 2018, then I played uh, the US, the US mid-am qualifier was there uh-huh. as well. Yeah. So I, I, you know, showed up, it pissed down all day and everyone was moaning about the rain yeah. and I'm like, this is home for me. Like, this is nothing. Like, I, I don't mind playing golf in the rain. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, 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 there was four people that qualified and I, I qualified tied first and I went to the US Mid-Am, which if anyone gets the opportunity to go to the US Mid-Am, it was, it was the best golf tournament I've ever played. It was better than, it was better than World Am. Yeah, yeah. Um, just the level of golf tournament, the quality of it, the quality of the golf courses, just the people. I mean, that was class. How do you get in? Yeah. How do you get in that? Because it, it sounds like it's almost impossible to get in that. Yeah, it's out, so. I think um, I think you've got to be like in the top. Uh, what is it? There's a way to qualify through World Ranking. Yeah. I think it's something like top 500 in the World Ranking as a mid-am, and you get in. And then everything else then is qualifier. So every state out here will have a have a local qualifier. Yeah. And then it goes on depending on the size yeah. of the field not so many spaces will be be available so for us uh, out here the i think last year there was two spaces available the year i made it there was four the year before that there was only one it just depends on who's entering so uh, i know that i mean bale played it last year and he i think there was only two spots in his qualifier and he played he got into it westgate's played it in the past but he qualified through world amateur ranking so yes, i mean it's How'd you get on that? Uh, see, I missed the cut. Um, what was it? What's I've never cut? ever played. I'm trying to think, it was it was two, two rounds of stroke play, uh, two different golf courses, and then obviously top sixty four and ties for the match play. And I shot, I was like five six over par. I think I uh, I've never ever putted on greens that fast in my entire life, like. No, and I, you know, just to the point where you just don't have any confidence. You don't feel comfortable from any distance. Yeah. Um, I mean, the golf, you know, the golf courses were amazing. It was uh, Charlotte Country Club and then something else. But I mean, the golf course looked like the White House. The clubhouse was massive. Uh, but you know, I mean, you're playing against guys who, you know, like I said, the winners of the U.S. Mid-Am is Hagestad and uh, you know people who who have tried to be pros after they've after they've gone, you know, graduated college and then come back to being an amateur. Yeah, the kid that I played cool. with, kid I, yeah, kid I played the first round with, 
you know, he said, I just got my amateur status back just the day before the qualifier. Right. <laughs> the day before. You know, yeah, he's like fully supported by all the equipment companies and got a couple of circle T's in his bag for a practice round. <laughs> like, like clubs are like eight, you know, five yeah, years old. Yeah, you know, some worn grips of you. Yeah. But I mean, great experience. My dad flew out as well to come and watch, which yeah. was which was pretty cool. So he flew out and stayed with me for three or four days in Charlotte. And you know that that's that's the one that's the one tournament that like now is is like my you know it's my major really. I think oh, for everyone yeah. who's a mid am, that's like that is the one to get you and try and get you in the Masters. So, yeah, if you win that, be on the Masters, man. That's yeah like trip, do trip Keeney or whatever oh yeah it's a big deal then, isn't it uh, yeah, it's yeah so that was like I guess the, that was the last kind of golf competition I played really that was I mean September 2018 are you, are you still playing a bit now or are you just too busy with yeah no I, I didn't yeah I didn't really I didn't play at all last year I mean I played a little bit played you know those those fun yeah. games scrambles whatever but um, I didn't play like an individual golf tournament at all last year. Uh, and this year, now that I, I've just entered, um, so they've got three coming up this year. got the Oklahoma Stroke Play, Oklahoma Amateur, and then Oklahoma Mid-Am. So those are the three that I, that I got this year. Um, they cancelled all the USGA qualifiers. Um, well, they cancelled everything in the USGA except for the, the boys and the women's am. Because the boys and the women, you can fill the field with, you know, exemptions or, or invites, but you can't, you know, you've got 240 players in, in the U.S. mid-am and everyone's a qualifier pretty much. So, so sadly, they cancelled those. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I kind of got the bug back a little bit recently. Yeah. Just um, with, you know, with the podcast and stuff, I kind of started a, a golf series for it just to be a part of it, just so I give myself an excuse to go play golf and talk about it and interview golfers, you know? So it was, um, you know, I, I, you I mean, I know you've got hundreds, like, so I got a way to go, but like I started listening, I listened to yeah. one of Dan the other day and I thought, oh man, it's pretty inspirational stories and that, you know, it's, yeah, it's, about golf, but it's more than that. Like, you know. Yeah. It, it's some, like, it's uh, a friend of mine has a, has another part, has his own podcast and, you know, yeah. he, he got to sit down with some, he's in, you know, owns a couple of businesses and he got to sit down with a guy who's a, you know, fairly big business owner in, in, in the city out here. And, right. and he said to me perfectly, he said, you know, if so, if you walk up to this guy in the street and say, can I, can I sit down with you for an hour and pick your brain? They're going to tell you to walk away. But if you say, can I have you on my podcast? My podcast yeah. Their ear, their ear, yeah. Their ears perk up a little bit and, and they do. And the amount of people I got close to or got to speak to, yeah, there's no way I'm going to get close to these people. So yeah, I mean, that was that's, that's, that's the biggest takeaway for me. Like the amount of people you spoke to, like they're all there. Like you say, like they're oh, all yeah. amazing businesses. They're all entrepreneurs. I mean, they're all successful sports people. Like they're not, you know, yeah. just and they all got great stories and that. And uh, they're pretty lucky. So I mean, is so it, what made you get into it? Like, and and how do you go about starting it? Like, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, yeah. did you come up with everything yourself? Right. So, so I started uh, doing, so it all came from doing real estate. So I yeah. started getting, you know, I got, got into real estate. My first couple of years were decent because all my mates from college would graduate and wanted to buy a house. So yeah. all of my clients were first time home buyers. Mm. But sadly, people don't buy houses every year that just bought from me. So <laughs> yeah, I've never really been, yeah, I've never really been a good sales type. I've never really been like the hardcore sit on the phone all day and, and knock doors, cold calling. Just, I just don't want to do it. Um, 
so I figured, you know, I'm going to start like this, build kind of a community yeah. around something that everyone's common love for something. And, and yeah. I'll just create that. So it started with just like an Instagram page and sharing people's pictures that they'd taken in the state. So I saw another page that was doing the same thing and I figured I could copy it and, and do it a little bit better. So exactly. it started like that. Um, and that started to gain about a thousand followers a month for about the first nine to 10 months. And then um, I thought, well, look, there's only so much stories you can tell with a picture. How about we start something else and I can interview people. And I listen to podcasts all the time, but I never thought about having my own. Um, and then a couple of mates of mine said, you know, it's really easy. We got the equipment, you know, we can, we'll loan it to you until you make any money and then just buy it off us when you, when you do. So I, uh, I just started, I started sending, you know, emails, DM people, um, you know, I, I just started sending as many messages as possible and, and people started to reply and said, yeah. So, uh, my first podcast was with a guy named Desmond Mason who played in the NBA. He's now an artist, uh, like paints and does all that stuff. He's really good now, but, um, he played in the NBA and I, I was shaking like a shitting dog trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to interview this guy because he's in, he's been interviewed millions of times. Though. He's an NBA player. He's four, four times. Player. Yeah. Four, four times the size of me kind of thing. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, once you settle into it um, and I just started reaching out and there's like, there's nobody that you can't get a contact information for or can't get close to. Mm. Like it baffles me. If people ask me, how'd you get to that person? Well, like I had a lady named Brooke Wells on the podcast. She's a CrossFit athlete she's i think at the time she's like 11th in the world at crossfit and fifth in the usa like she is she's one of the best the over a million followers on instagram like yeah she's one of the best and like i just sent her a couple of emails and finally she responded and said yeah let's let's do it so you know we drove up to a gym about an hour away and knocked out the podcast it was class and that that one's done better than most of them and then um recently i have a have like this so i have the oklahoma podcast and then i have uh, a separate one about cars yeah so a mate, a mate of mine out here is you know good mate of mine just big into his car stuff so and i am as well so we started out a podcast and through zoom i've just been kind of doing what we're doing now just mm-hmm. sending people messages hey would you like to sit down for an hour or 30 minutes and just talk and i managed to get this one guy on a couple of weeks ago who i mean he he is the photographer for ken block um, you know, the race driver with Ken Block and he has 400,000 followers on Instagram. He, he's one of the best automotive photographers in the world. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. Sure. I'm like, you know, and you get people who have 5,000 followers that, that won't give you the time of day. But that's the thing is once you get someone that's big and people start looking at who you've interviewed, they know that they respect you. And they're like, if, if that person respects you, then you, you just get an in and you just keep knocking it out. Like I've done a hundred and, 70 something now and just oh, continue wow. to do them because you know it's and i have 10 10 or 11 right now that i need to edit uh but i mean it's really easy to do like i'm not a tech person at all like it's i got the equipment i plug it in i you know got the got everything set up and you know as long as the sound quality is half decent people just kind of let you know get and i i've got a lot better at you know interviewing people and finding cues and now i don't go in with any notes uh, for the most part but most recently I interviewed a guy named Gray Fredrickson who he's from here and lives, you know, 30 minutes away. And he was one of the producers on the Godfather um, and like an apocalypse now as well, which is another pretty good movie back in the day. And, you know, he's 82 now. And we, me and another guy as a, 
there's a local film festival that's going on at the moment. Um, and the, he asked me, the guy, the other guy who interviewed him said, you know, do you want to partner up and, and do this interview with Gray? Yeah, let's do it. So that was the one that was like, it was a proper set. Like we're on, you know, sat there under the lights kind of, that for me was, you know, I'm just, just showing up with a case and a microphone and pressing record in someone's back garden. But this was like on set, you know, all the rest of it. So that was a, that was a big step up for me. But, you know, when you're, when you're talking to someone who's worked with, you know, some of the best actors in the world and arguably on the best movie in the world, like, yeah, it was, that was, that was a good moment for sure. Yeah. I mean, so what, did you work on the whole series today? Like all the Godfathers? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was, yeah, he was he was like an associate producer on the first one, and then he was a producer on that. He won, I think, he won an Oscar or a Grammy. Yeah, he won an Oscar or an Academy Award. They're the same thing um, for the Godfather Two. So yeah, he's he yeah he had some great stories about you know back in the day like Hollywood back in the day what it was like and you know Playboy Mansion all the rest of it like nothing like it is now. You know, before, I mean, before like social media. Do you, do you treat, do you treat it like that? business, the, the whole podcast? Oh, yeah. Is it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I've got, um, got a sponsor on board now, so I'm getting paid yeah. by them. Uh, they sponsor one episode a week. Um, right. And then I'm just, I'm always looking for more, reaching out to more people, yeah. you know, do do you want to sponsor a series? Do you want to do it just per episode? And, you know, just throw out a number. And, you know, I, I, have, a, I have like a platform that, you know, like from each episode, I can pull about 18 to 20 different like pieces of content, different posts. So when you show them that, and you're like, look, this is how many people are listening, but also this is how many people are going to watch, like the little video clips and stuff like that. That's easy to sell. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I got, I mean, it's, it's not, it's making money. It's not making a living yet. Um, but I don't doubt that it will. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I guess like, um, I was listening to the one about the wedding photographer, you know, and I'd also just spoke to Lloyd, you know, Lloyd. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously he's a wedding photographer. I met him at a wedding and uh, that I was at, and then, you know, he's a golfer as well. And, um, yeah, I listened to the one you were doing, you've done with somebody, uh, so I forget his name now, but, um, yeah, I was I was thinking, oh, yeah, if, if you're into wedding photography, you're going to want to go and buy, you know, buy the handmade, like, leather oh, yeah. stuff now. And, like, yeah, I mean, I guess like you want to talk to him but then also yeah you, it's getting their brand out there isn't it and getting people talking about it and as well yeah. although it sounded like he did he sold a lot of his uh you know gear yeah he's very good that guy <laughs> yeah he sold it all, all over the world yeah i know but like um to be honest yeah, I mean, with all the stories uh, he was talking about um oh you know people cop- copycats and, and trademarks and stuff like that and i mean uh, i mean that's just like it that happens in every business doesn't it um that's what a lot of like entrepreneurs come up against that sort of thing is the copycats and the takedown and all that kind of jazz. So I thought, oh, wow, this is, and then I was like, uh, oh, it's an entrepreneur podcast. And then, but then it was also sports and that. So it's, it's a good mix, isn't it? Like it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's everything. Like there's nothing I won't talk about. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the best way. So, I mean, like, uh, where, where do you see it going? You're just going to keep interviewing more and more people and, and just keep it building up like that. Yeah, I think, I mean, the good thing is like that, you know, there's people are always going to have stories. So I'm never going to run out of guests. Even if I have the same 120 people on, like they're always going to have new stories. So that's the, you know, that, that's a good thing. And then just, you know, going forward, doing more interviews up in the level of production, um, you know, like, like the one with that, you know, the movie producer, if I can get a set like that and build out this room for something like that, 
to make, you know, just up the production a bit. And then, you know, by upping the production, you know, slowly get more sponsors. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know how many, now. I don't know how many other podcasts there are in your area and stuff like that. But I mean, like, it mm. sounds like you've got a real good niche there. Like, you're, you know, this is Oklahoma, like. Um, yeah, I think the, I got lucky with the name, really. Um, yeah, you know, it was just available, and I just like, right, that's it, <laughs> let's do it. Um, and everything, it was available on everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think you know, it's quite a broad range. Like, it can go any way. Uh, you know, I think the whole thing is like, if you live here like me and you're not from here or you were born and raised here, or, you know, you just moved here for a bit, like that's anyone can come on. Um, you know, and there's, I think there's been two episodes that I haven't actually posted. And one of them was because of, it was a tech thing. And the other one was because the person who was on it, we talked about the job that she had at the time and she left. So I'm not going to post if you're not working there anymore. The next day or something, um, I can't really talk about yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. So, um, but yeah, for the most part, I post you know pretty much all of them. Don't really edit much. Um, with the higher profile people, they obviously listen to it before it goes out just to make sure they're okay with it. Because um, I'm not here to, you know, I don't know, here to be a TV reporter and try and get people fired or whatever it is. I don't okay. care. I'm not a journalist. You know, I just want to share someone's story. So, but yeah. Oh, cool. I mean, like, how do you find... Living so like obviously you're a kind of not well you're not an outsider now because you're still there but like being from like Wales say living in America how do you find what are the differences between living in America compared to the UK? Uh, yeah. I think people just more like people just more like open-minded out here mm. like they're just there's just more and you know there's never I think back home I think we just grow up with kind of like a negative mentality. Mm. of you know like you know oh you know i mean you see yeah. someone who's pretty successful and you're trying to think well what have they done to get to where they're at you know or well, they yeah. must have done this and yeah. you know and i think out here like people just people spend people make more out here but people obviously spend more as well so there's more money available just in, in general going around general. and i think there's more like entrepreneurial you know just if someone has a business idea they can go and get it started and see if it works and if it doesn't work at least they tried whereas i think growing up back home you kind of want everything to be perfect and everyone listening that that, that owns a business knows that it's never perfect you've just got to keep doing it so yeah i think out here it's just much more you know just kind of like even with you know like recent what's going on at the moment like this you know people just they just deal with it like they just go through it and there's, there's it's very i think there's so many different ways out here to make a living like who who would have thought that there's I have you know that I make money from doing a podcast with people from this state and I'm not from here. Like I had to get an LLC and set up a business because I'm going to have to pay taxes on the money that I've made. Like you know like there's no, you know I tell my parents like hey I'm like this is how much I'm making for the podcast and they're like what what like this you know it just doesn't make sense. But yeah I think compared to back home it's just. I think there's less of a ceiling out here for people who want to work. Like you can be anyone out here. You want to work hard and get to where you're at, you know, you, you can do it. And I think one of the prime examples for that is, is a mate of ours, Bale, you know, like I know, you know, yeah. John Bale quite well out here and he's, yeah, he's probably one of the most oh, yeah. hardworking people that I know, you know, and he's done very well for himself and it, there's no way that he would have been able to do what he's done out here back home. So well, he definitely, uh, did work hard at it, didn't he, you know, and, uh, stuck yeah. at it stuck out his golf and used the golf as a platform you know to do other things and then yeah. kept working hard and now he's got a you know high successful career isn't he so 
Yeah, he's done very well for himself, and he's going to continue to go that way because he's just like I said, he you know, and he loves his golf, and he's very good at what he does. Yeah, no, that's good, man. I mean, uh, no, it's great to see you boys doing so well out in America. Like, I mean, I was really keen to talk to you know, get your opinion, like what's it like out there and why you went there, because. I guess I've played with a lot, a lot of golf with people that have gone out there and then like they might come back or it didn't work out or whatever. And, you know, you're not sure if it, if it you know, lives up to the hype or not. But it, it sounds like I think if you take your opportunities, you know, you definitely, it's definitely a good, great route to go down, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I guess, as, as far as the golf goes, like, you know, back home when we play, play golf, play amateur golf back home, like par, anything around par is going to win something or it's going to finish top 10. Uh, and the thing that I realized real quick is anything about par right here is, I mean, you're not, you're not, really good at at all. yeah, like you've got to go low. And that's one thing that I took back. And I think one thing that helped me a lot was I, when I got home after playing good out in the States, like I just wasn't afraid of shooting low numbers. Uh, you know, when you, you know, sometimes you might start, you know, you birdie the first three holes and then you're kind of holding on for the rest of the round yeah, well, out yeah. here out here you're attacking everything and that's just the mentality of the golfers out here they just they're so aggressive um and they just smash it everywhere and that's one thing like okay great like if i can figure out how to keep it on the planet and i've got a wedge in my hand every day i got a pretty good chance of making birdie putts from 10 feet rather than hitting two iron off the tee going in with eight iron and making pars all day you know so I mean, so, did they did they try and instill that into you when you were when you joined up, you know, out in America? Did they say, look, you got to be attacking and aggressive and go for it, and you know? No, not not really. They just, yeah, I think it just comes from just playing more golf tournaments and just watching, yeah. like you're playing with other kids, and you're just like, you know, where is you know, I'm stepping on a tee box and I've got like three wood in my hand, and this guy's taking driver over the trees and thinking, where is he hitting this? You know, and I'm going in with. You know, that, that kind of thing. So you quickly get used to it. Um, and I think the greens out here are so much better than back home, just generally. Like, I mean, the local, the place that I kind of practice at every now and then, public golf courses out here are much better than back home. Like, every golf course back home is member-based, isn't it? Well, out here they have, there's five or six courses in, in the area that you can just rock up to. It's free, go chip, putt, hit range balls. You know, you pay for your range balls. And if you want to go play, it's $40, $50 a round. Uh, but the greens there are amazing, like best greens either. You know, they're far better than being back home on your average. You know, much better than Southern Down kind of thing. So you just you just get yeah, you just get better at putting because you're putting on good greens every day. So that was a huge plus. And they yeah. and it doesn't rain. It doesn't rain at all. You know. It doesn't rain. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's in, that's interesting, man. That's cool. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, like what um, what else have you been up to outside of uh, podcasting? Like, so you're obviously doing um, selling real estate. I mean, I looked at some of those houses and I can't believe how amazing they are. Like, you know, I guess uh, yeah, it's housing stock there looks pretty awesome. Like, they're you know they're giant properties, aren't they? And you know, with, it's like, cheap. It's and, so and, cheap. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. Is I was like, wow, that's looked at the prices and I was like, wow, okay. mm-hmm. pretty comparable to here. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, don't get that. <laughs> Oh, you you could buy you could buy a mansion out here for four hundred thousand dollars. You know, like you got five six acres of land and a four or five bedroom house, three car four car garage. Like, like to give you to give you some context, the house that we bought we bought our first house. Uh, it's three bedroom, two bathroom. Yeah. It's a hundred and uh, it's a thousand one thousand four hundred and sixty square feet. Um, 
and it was a two-car garage like it was uh, people building they're building all the time like i today i went showed show the clients some houses today brand new houses and you know there's there's neighborhoods popping up all the time because it's just there's so much land out here uh you know it's it just continues to grow it's great for me because people are always going to buy houses and they're always going to build houses but you know just i mean you know the prices you you, there's some there's some mega houses they're they're really expensive little houses closer to downtown but if you want to be 30 40 minutes outside of of, you know the city kind of thing like you can buy a really nice like my the next house that we want to buy we'll stay this for stay here for a while but and i want you know i want to i want to I want to get a bit of land. I want to be able to get golf balls in my back garden. I've never had that in my entire life. And that's, that's, that's a possibility. That's so if it, yeah, exactly. You walk out your back garden and, and yeah. just start hitting seven irons into a field. Like that is, that's the point. Would, so that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I might, might have to get myself a little ride along grass mower and then see how it goes. Yeah. You'll have a little green there and you can exactly. invite to Ellen over and he'll, he'll make you some bunkers and stuff and a few greens and that. Yeah, could you imagine that? That would be oh, epic. Brilliant. I mean, a lot of those pros have that set up though, don't they? On lockdown, yeah. it looked like everyone was out in there, you know, practice greens, bunkers, nets, or yeah, balls. Yeah, it's just so much land. I mean, they, they just, yeah, like, I think Ricky's house is pretty good. You see Ricky Fowler's house, he's got like yeah. a couple of greens and a wedge area, and obviously Tigers <laughs> is mega, like, but yeah, it's, it, it's just, yeah, it's just land and there's so much out here, and it's, it's the good thing is it's flat out here as well so you find you know you find five six acres for you know for under half a million dollars and you know you're set right so i hope you don't mind me asking like do you have you watched tiger king oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't sure if you uh, offended like or you know (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this so about two years ago i uh sent them and uh, just sending messages to get people on the podcast I, I sent them a message and oh, wow. lauren replied through their instagram and said yeah come on down we'll do a podcast um <laughs> and it's, so it's about it's about two and a half hour drive so me and me and taryn drove down there um joe was in jail at this time he was not there incarcerated um, yeah he he was locked up uh and i i like i don't i'm not you know i didn't grow up here right so i, I don't didn't know, even know who joe exotic was so we get down there, meet Lauren and Jeff, um, and he looked exactly the same as he does on TV. He's got a leather jacket on, his terrible Ferrari hat that he just bought from a petrol station and a bandana. Um, and it was a Saturday and it was really busy. And they said, you know, yeah, go on this tour. Like they gave us a free private tour kind of thing. And oh, from last week. Got... The last oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's the new owner. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was, that's who we met. So they were there and they said they sent us off with one of the guides. And he said, um, you know, he said, go off and go off and find, you know, have a good time and see some of the tigers and, and we'll do the podcast when you get back. Mm-hmm. So we go on this tour for about an hour, um, you know, see everything uh, and get to play with like the little tiger cubs. And I mean, it was class. Like who wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> I'm trying to find a picture for you now. I got, you oh see God. this? Like we were down yeah. there. Can you see that? Oh, wow. So Taryn's, that's guy too. I mean, t- Taryn's playing with little baby tigers and hanging out and we get back to like the, you know, the, the entrance and, and I see Jeff and uh, he said, oh, you're going to have to wait a couple hours because Lauren's just gone on another private tour. And the place stinks of cat piss, obviously, because it's tigers <laughs> everywhere. Like it just, it reeks down there. 
and oh. it's a hot day you know it's you know 30 oh. degrees and he just like this is ah oh, get me out of here uh and i just thought yeah yeah i know i'll come back another time and now i'm like why didn't you stay you know but yeah we just drove back we left it um just I didn't I chose not to do the chose not to wait three hours to do the podcast because I just couldn't be asked to wait. And you know, that podcast could be massive now, couldn't it? Uh but oh, yeah, I got to like hang Oh yeah. But they're all there, they're all the same. Like, you know, I don't, I don't remember meeting anyone that was on the T V show, like that never met the girl with one arm, didn't meet the guy who tried to kill you know, was sent to kill her. But I met, you know, that Lauren and, and, and that Jeff guy. Um, and, and it was funny because by the time that we got back home, I had a message off her saying, oh, we're done. You know, where are you? Um, and yeah. at the time they were asking me, like I go back through my Instagram messages that they, we, we sent back and forth and, and she was asking me, you know, how do we grow our Instagram? How do we do this stuff? And oh, like, she was asking me like marketing advice. And now like they, you know, they, they got hundred thousand followers or whatever, cause they're on TV. But yeah, I, I was watching the TV show. I'm thinking, probably lucky to be alive now that we left. <laughs> but oh, it's nuts, isn't it? I mean, it, it is nuts. Like the places. Yeah, I got some got some wicked videos from some of the tigers down there. Yeah, it's mad, mate. And it's exactly. I mean, that is that is everything in the TV show is exactly like it is. Like, you know, that's what's funny is it's not. They haven't. I mean, they've probably added a few things, but yeah. for the most part, like that's just how it is. That's still open. Yeah. Is it still open? Like, yeah, it's open. Yeah, because cool. yeah, I guess they announced recently that that Carol lady won, won the, I guess, won the land that it's on in a court battle. So she what? she owns the land that it's on. Oh, because she is that cause she sued. She sued. Yeah, yeah. So she yeah. was given the land that the park is on, but they're moving the park to another location, which they've been trying to do. Which that's what the last episode was. They were trying to move that the park or whatever. So I think they're in the process of that, but it's open. They've been cashing. They've been cashing in since the since the TV wow. show, trying to get as much money as possible. Yeah. Wow. Crazy, I mean, it's, I know that's that's like a bit of a, a crazy scenario down there, isn't it? I mean, like. Oh yeah. It's normally, I guess, it's not always like that, though, is it? You know, is it quite a normal place? Right. To yeah. Not not everyone out here has got tigers in their back. Oh, I know. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just you know one of the many people. That are just nuts. I mean, there's there's muppets in every state out here in every country, in there. But yeah, it's just just happened that that guy was on TV, and that's exactly how he is. Like it's the the most like everyone says this that's from you. The most Oklahoma scene in that is the bit where like he's riding on a quad bike and there's a tornado in the background. Like that is every that is one thing that people out here can relate to because we like tornado season is is pretty bad. Um, haven't had like we had a few close calls but nothing like really bad um you know storms out here they're they're mega they're really they're they're epic lightning storms and tornadoes and you know you see videos and stuff of them and and they're the closest one to us probably came with about within about 20 minutes um and it flattened a hotel like just completely flattened a hotel like just you know two-story hotel gone like People died like about twenty minutes away. That was the closest one it's got to us. But it's scary, it really scary stuff when you get really close to it and see what it can do when it's picking up like you know the old bottle banks used to see it like Sainsbury's and stuff. It would pick up one yeah, yeah. One of those, one of those was on the second story of the hotel, like in someone's bedroom. Like that's the that's that's how severe and how much power they have. 
Um, I mean, if you've seen the film Twister, that's exactly how it is. <laughs> you know, like cows everywhere, buildings, houses. You know, it's yeah, luckily, thank, thank, thankfully, now storm season's over. But it's about April to May is really bad. Yeah, but. I mean, what's the weather like the rest of the time? I mean, it must be pretty pretty nice and hot there, is it? And nice and warm. And yeah, for the most part. Like today, it's uh, <clears throat> what is it today? It's I mean, it's, it's nine o'clock right now. It's twenty eight degrees. Um, but I mean, the rest of the rest of the week is you know mid thirties. It's really hot, like June, July, and August, and then it starts to cool down, kind of October, November, December. Sometimes gets cold. December, January gets a bit bit cold. But it's most the thing is like it's. Because it's so flat, it's the wind chill that gets really cold out here. So it might be, you know, it might be two or three degrees, but it's a wind chill of minus seven, and that's that's kind of what cuts you in half. But I don't really, you don't play much golf during, you know, no, you know, de- December, January time, just because you know it's like back home, really. It just it's just not fun. Is golf courses, grounds, rock yeah, hard. Like yeah, well, it's just cold. Yeah, it's just really, really cold. So. I mean, golf courses are open all year round, but they'll freeze, and yeah, sometimes you're just thinking, oh, it's too cold." But yeah, so I mean, like, just in terms of mates, in terms of your mates and that, like, have you, like, is there anyone else you know from the UK out there that you've met up with, or is it like, you know, Johnny Vale, or or is it just yeah, me, your mates with locals and that? Yeah, so me and me and Vale, uh, Vale called me like uh, a couple of few years ago, we were, we've been mates for a while, but he, he calls me a few years ago and he says, uh, do you want to play in this golf tournament? It's in Arizona. It's like $800 a man. Um, yeah. you got to, you got to fly down here, but it's at this place called whisper rock. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. And so I flew down and, and, he, and he, we, we stay with this guy that crazy story. We stay with this guy that he met caddying in Waterford court. He caddied for this guy back in the day. And yeah, yeah, at Porth Call, stayed in touch. Turns out that this guy was like mega, pretty successful out here. Um, worked for some big companies, was a CEO of a very big company that, um, that you know, yeah, well, he worked for a car brand, car brand, I'll say that much. He was a CEO of a car company out here. Um, and this guy is a member and he just invited us to play in his golf tournament, at his golf course, um, in this two man, you know, best ball basically tournament and we've been back every year uh-huh. uh, and then that's the guy who he invited he invited bale that year to go play pine valley with him um and then you know the second time we went back to arizona he said oh you know like i'll invite you next time and i think yeah whatever and then last year he invited me and bale to go spend three days at pine valley that was the best time ever um what a place so yeah thanks to bale i played pine valley because of bale so he holds that over my head every time I see Is Bale still playing? Is he still playing to a high standard then? I think he's better now than he was when right. he was playing for Wales. Yeah, he's just practicing playing more golf and playing better golf courses. And right, yeah. yeah, I think he's, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's playing better now than he did back when he played for Wales. But yeah, I play with him quite a bit. Um, when I play with him, it's usually when I travel. So, Pine Valley, Whisper Rock, and a few other places. Yeah. Um, and then Lloyd Martinson, you know, Lloydy from, he was a greenkeeper of all football for a bit. Lloyd's out here, Lloyd's in Austin. Um, trying to get a, a funny story a mate of mine from Bridge End uh, actually plays for the local pro football team, soccer team here oh, in, wow. in Oklahoma City. Oh, wow. Yeah, point. 
boy named John Brown. Uh, we played football against each other when we know for like Bridge End and Brackle when we were kids. And he called me one day and said, the coach from Oklahoma City is, is recruiting me. I'm coming out on a visit. Can I come and stay at the house for a few weeks? And he never left. So, yeah, he's been, he's been here. He plays for the team out here. It's like, yeah, well, that's probably the closest mate that I have to back home. It's kind of like uh, a small world, really, isn't it? Like, in, uh, oh, yeah, it's crazy. People through, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, i got a few mates. Out. One of the boys is in Canada. Um, he's not a golfer. He's a mate of mine from school. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's, that's really it. I don't think there's anyone else. Everyone else kind of went home. I know Alistair, Alistair might be out here. Right now, I, haven't, I tried to speak to him, but I haven't, I don't think anyone's got any, any in touch with him. I think he was in Texas somewhere working at a pro shop thing, but I haven't heard anything from him. And then I don't know if any of the other boys are out here. I think everyone went home. So, Lloyd, Lloyd do you know him, for Lloyd uh, Williams? You know him through, from school, do you? Yeah, well, I, I, so I, I went to, yeah, I know Lloyd and James from, uh, we went to primary school together. Oh, wow. So I know, yeah, I knew J- James was a year older than me and then Lloyd, he's a, year, a couple of years older. Uh, like, obviously, I followed his career and I played a lot with him. Mm-hmm. So I know, like, lived the old days a little bit. And also, like, I think Clow, you know, he has, he has been underrated. Like, you know, he's, he's won a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. like, he's, you know, he's played Yeah, in- people don't realize. Yeah, like, yeah. I think. People I don't, don't realize Walker yeah. Cup and what was it? St. Andrew's Links and, you know, yeah, and he like that, breaking the records. Yeah, and even when he was telling me, he said... Like, oh, yeah, I played in the British Amateur and I got a lucky draw and I, you know, and I won the qualifying. And I was like, well, come on, you're not just, you can't just sleep when in the qualifying. Yeah. And then, and then he said, oh, you know, and I, I was lucky to beat Richie Mounds, you know, on the last. And I thought, well, no, you probably, you were playing really well, like, and you, you did well. And yeah. you should be proud of that. Like, but yeah, we, I mean, we, before that, played with him. And obviously, we didn't bother talking about that because it's not, you know, as interesting as, say, the Walker yeah. Cup. It's, um, I'm pretty sure a lot of Americans talk about that one as like the best side ever, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, it was all right. Like, and I was, I sort of watched, I was there actually, like, and I watched it. And uh, I guess looking back now, yeah, they, you know, you've got like Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler played and, you know, oh, Reece, yeah. I think Reese beat both of them, Reese Davis, and which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then Clow didn't, didn't really get much. He had one game and he lost. Yeah, like, right. so, yeah, was he, he had a shank on air or something? Wouldn't no, I saw that. Was yeah, I didn't like, like moment. Yeah, yeah. I about that. And uh, I was, I was up, so flew back to London or whatever, and uh, oh, I watched the highlights of the Walker Cup. You know, it was just there, and uh, Cloud comes on, and it was the par three, and I played that actually at, at County Down, and it, it's, it's about a, I don't know, like a two hundred yard par three. You know, it's like a long iron, and uh, yeah, Klaus steps up, and Peter Alice is like, "Here's here's this young man, you know, from Wales or whatever," and uh, you know, he shanked the strange to the club, and then Alice says, "Oh no, you don't want to do, you know, the way he commentates it. Oh, you don't yeah. want to do that, young man." And then Klaus yeah. went down, and he obviously lost his head at that stage. You know, you could tell that he was down, he was losing, and uh, yeah, his head was low, and he did it again. Then I think Alice had another pop, then like you know, oh. You know, you need to sort your head out, young man. And then they went off and watched it <laughs> and showed it else. And I felt bad. I was like, oh, man, that's gutting. That is gutting. Yeah. You know. But now he's a funny man, though. He's, oh, done, he's done some God. things, hasn't he? He has, yeah. I mean, God, he's done. Well, he went, he, but this is just shows the standard or, or whatever the back then. But, you know, like when he played just for Glamorgan, like, he, I don't think he played for Wales then, but. He always uh, just breaking into the side, and he and he got invited to like this regional pro event, 
you know, and he beat all the local. It was just the local pros, yeah. but he beat them by like seven round Saint Pierre, and he shot, you know, like sixty-five or something. And the best pro yeah. score was like you know seventy, which I remember John John Peter saying, "Oh, oh, that's more of a reflection, you know, on the standard of the local pros, really." Then, <laughs> but uh, yeah. then I thought, "Oh God, he's actually a really good player, isn't he?" You know, he's just uh, yeah. and. Uh, that was good. Like, there's, there's a lot of good stories there. I mean, I, I love talking about all those old ones. And I, I know, like, things have moved on a lot, haven't they? Um, no, it was good days. Like, it's good, just good to hear, like, you know, that you, you always see the score, or you always hear, you hear it from, like, the coach's point of view or the spectator's point of view, but you never hear it from that person. Like, where was I in that moment? What was I thinking? You know, like, you know, how do I hit this shot if this putt doesn't go in? You know, it's always. I think as golfers, we're always superstitious, and there was so much more going on in our own heads uh, that you, you know, when you pull a shot off, like, oh, I actually did that. I think I didn't expect to, but somehow I, I was committed enough to pull that off. Um, you know, and just things, yeah. And like I said, like my said, there was a few lucky things that happened, but the, you know, at the end of the day, you still got to hit those shots. And yeah, yeah it's, it's, it is funny to hear the stories. It is. I mean, the Lynx trophy, he went, like, he went wire to wire, right? So, like, I mean, mm. oh, pretty much, I think, as far as it goes. And, like, I didn't, obviously, didn't, I didn't talk to him. I, I think I might have talked to him after and just said, oh, well, then. So I didn't really know, you know, know much more about it. And then he went into a bit more detail, you know, and he was saying about how he was hitting, you know, had these new wedges and he was working on his wedge game and then all that. And then, oh, yeah, so, I haven't got. I mean, I've just been downloading it. Like that, he's. We're gonna. We're gonna talk about the British Open and the Walker Cup. Mm-hmm. And because I don't know if you know, knew that. Like you know, he qualified for the British Open. Yeah, Dai caddied for him, didn't he? <laughs> Dai was on the bag. Dai Pies was on the bag. Um, I don't. I'm not. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know Dai. Yeah, Dai I think. Did, yeah, I think he caddied yeah. for him. And yeah. he's got some uh, pretty class stories there. Like I know he missed the cut. Like so, I. Um, but uh, and he and he said, "Oh, look, you know, I didn't want to talk about it at the time." And in that, but now he's he's you know obviously he's matured mm. than that, and uh, yeah. he's you know happy to talk a bit more like openly about it. And that. like so, you see, played with Luke, Luke Donald, like, and obviously Luke Donald went on to be was like world number one, like a couple of years after. And Luke Donald was sort of like trying to get his major, you know, first major sort of thing. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think he was impressed, you know, playing with like a qualifier, you know, like. Um, and I thought, ah, the ginger, the ginger otter <laughs> from South Wales. <laughs> on the team, you got Luke Donald, winner of X Y Z, ranked in the top down the world. Ah, oh, alongside him is uh, Tom Ellen, a greenkeeper. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just said like, oh mate, at the end of the day, like uh, pros, they were like prima donnas, aren't they? You know, like oh yeah, who is he to say you can't play in there? You've qualified, like you know, and it, yeah, you know, I know he's one of the best players, but. Anyway, no, so that was real fun, like, because I, you know, it was cool hearing about that, like, mm-hmm. and, yeah. yeah, I don't think we talked about the Walker Cup, but then, and that was about it, really, like, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, like, I've, I guess I, I want to talk to other people, but, yeah, actually, people, they don't, not everyone obviously wants to talk about it today, you know, which is fair enough, like, um, yeah, you got to, like, so you got to find, that. that's the thing, is, like, when, when I've interviewed some people, you you got to wait, like, I think there's, there's like, a, a golden period after about 15 minutes when they realize that, okay, like, I'm comfortable, I don't mind talking about the things that I, that I you know, and it's more about just kind of getting them comfortable and being okay to share stuff, 
Uh, and I think, you know, there's, yeah, for Flau, there was a few different situations that he probably did, doesn't want to speak about or didn't want to speak about back then, which now it, no one cares about it anymore because it's no, I don't know, cares what, like, you know, it's you just, know? but yeah, it's, uh, I'd love to hear some of his stories. He's probably got some, you know, just from what I've heard from other boys of him, you know, and just travels and the things that he's seen, the things that he's done and people he's met, like he's, yeah. There's some pillars there, and well, I'm sure he's still got little bits of it. But yeah, he was. And I think the problem with Luke is, is and he'll probably say this too, that is, he was his head headshot, and he like every time he'd get a lead or shoot, or shoot decent. You know, I, I remember playing in front of him once at Whitchurch. Um, oh, what tr- not the Trubshaw? What's that other one at Whitchurch? The Tucker. Oh, the oh, was, yeah. yeah, yeah, Newport and Whitchurch. And I remember he was playing behind us, and I was me. I'm playing with Richie James and a few other uh, someone else, and Luke is like telling us he's like oh, I'm four under now, <laughs> you know, and like through through like six seven holes, and then you know he starts like it just starts because he's talking himself out of it. It yeah. starts going downhill fast. Then he shoots like you know three or four over after being four under through five, five through six. I'm like you're mad. Absolutely mad, but anyway, it's a lot of fun, and it? it's always like, yeah. You know, I think we look back on the people who actually made it or what could have made it, and see like why didn't they? And you know, you, you in the in the moment you don't think, do you? But looking back, you realize what was going on, and realize that you know we should have done this, and why were they doing that? And yeah, I think it, it does go a lot. It, it's a lot to do with. I think like there's got to be a reason clearly why Wales hasn't produced any good golfers in. I mean, what, yeah. 20 years? Yeah, well, that's, that's the conversation I've had with a lot of people I've talked to them and we're like mentioning all these top players, you know, we're like, oh, yeah. I did this and someone else did that and then another, and just there's loads, like there's so many. And then... Yeah, like what, well, Reese would be, Reese would be the last one, right? Reese Davis would be the last like tall player out of Wales? And yeah, I mean, like, obviously there's probably been a couple like, you know, there's before him, like James Donaldson, you know, yeah, but I mean, like, since Reese, no one's um, done anything. No, I know, yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, like, they, oh, I guess Ollie Farr would probably be, yeah, oh, yeah Ollie yes, Farr, I guess, would have been. Brilliant. So you got Ollie Farr, that's well, probably not, it. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's not playing, he's he not stopped playing regular European tour events, is he? No, well, he, he played in the US Open, didn't he? I mean, yeah. Um, Which yeah, is I, amazing, but, like, still, he's not, you know, there's... <laughs> Yeah, no, there's okay, I, I, a yeah. gap. Like, there's I mean, a I think, yeah. I think one. I think one of the things is that, like, um, like you, you said before, right, in America, there's all these set programs, and you follow the program, mm-hmm. and it's a professional program. Whereas, like, when like we were in uni in in Britain, and there was no program, and you like, you know, you had to sort of make it up, and uh, like it was just real hard. Like you didn't, you know, to get better and stuff, and and then and then for the guys that were good amateurs. Again, there was no real system, you know, there was no one looking to support them or anything. They just yeah. sort of did it on their own. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was saying that the other day, you know, he was out in Asia on his own, you know, with no money. And, you know, he's like Wales, one of Wales' best players, but he, you know, had to, well, he had to obviously just go get a, get a job and keep working at Eco Bunker because, you know, there was no yeah. one was going to help him get on tour or anything, you know, which is a bit sad. But I mean, I think he had, he did have a little bit of help. But you know you need that because even yeah, Reece, but, like Reese yeah. took a long time, well not a long time, but I, I know that he went on a few tours, you know, and you go to a few tour schools, and then <clears throat> like he played on the Challenge Tour, and he obviously went went there, and then he got onto the European Tour, but it wasn't like no one no one does it overnight, do they? Just 
yeah. two different ones per events. Well, not unless you're like, I don't know, Rory McIlroy or someone like that, but <coughs> or Wolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's that's the thing out here is I think you know once you get if that that it starts that way, right? If you're not going to go. You're not going to come to the state to play college golf. You should just turn pro straight away back home if you think you're good enough, because you're going to be better off trying to turn pro back home at 18 than you are going to be playing amateur golf. You know, playing some events. Even if you are good enough, you know, if you're good enough to play for Wales, you should be. You know, if you're making the Welsh team and you want to turn pro, like, why waste time going to uni and playing? You know, playing whatever it is, you know, the Spanish am or Portuguese am or whatever. Like, I mean, there's a bunch of players that the English boys, some of the English boys didn't play for England and they just turned pro straight away and managed to figure it out. And, you know, they play Euro pro, they get good at that. Then they go up a level. And by the time that you've graduated university or by the time that you've played enough amateur events to, for you to think that you're good enough, they've already got the reps in, got sponsors behind them and they have miles ahead. And like, you know, you, you look at these guys who just, they were nothing as, as like amateur golfers, but they turned pro and gave it everything. And they're on tour, you know? I, I'm not sure if Tyrrell Hatton played golf for England, but I know that he, he I think he turned pro early. I think. I, I wouldn't quote you on that one, but I think he, I would say he was the next one of the ones like that. And then, yeah. well, I know there's did, a lot did of Andrew Johnson play for England? Oh, beef. Uh, yeah. I think he did, but I don't think he was, it wasn't like a, Key player, was he like he wasn't in the elite? I yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, who was the other? Did Andy Sullivan and and what's the other guy? Oh, Andy uh, Sullivan his name is? played uh, obviously played in the Walker Cup and stuff. But, um, okay, him. But yeah, see, I don't know much. Yeah, about. I know there's a bunch of players that like. There's a lot of players that didn't go the didn't go the usual like states route or whatever and just turned pro. Like, why not? Like, I mean, obviously England golf's got a lot more money behind it, but. There's there's players who didn't play for England that managed to figure it out. So I don't know. It, there's something going on in there. Like there's a reason Welsh players don't make it on tour or just don't get the opportunity or the chance to. And I'm not old enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, we can all point the finger and say it's this, this, and this. And there's no funding, no money, no coaching, whatever it is. But there's clearly a, multi, a bunch of reasons. Yeah. Because down here, yeah, it's, it's, it's a small country, and uh, it's. You know, it's a very small country, and but they've got like quite a high-performing attitude, you know, around sport and stuff, um, yeah. you know, with like rugby and other sports, and even golf. And um, you know, people mm-hmm. make it from here. You know, sometimes they like, probably more. Yeah. yeah. One example I picked. I know it's really unfair, but like I was talking to Matthew Tippo, he's a golf coach, and um, I was like, well, look at Northern Ireland. You know, they're they're a tiny country, oh, yeah. and look at how how many players are there make it. Like, so I don't know. It's a bit unfair yeah. because they're probably like an anomaly, but like it's true, isn't it? You know, like they're similar. No, there's no, yeah, there's no excuse, is there? Like, and I, I got mates. I mean, there's a guy, guy who used to play golf, Coda Muster, that's still, he's playing amateur golf for Wales now. He went over and had coaching in Ireland for six, seven months. He would fly over and have co- get coached in Ireland, and he was playing really well. I don't know if he still does it, but I mean, yeah, they, I, I mean, there's no excuse, is there? Like, at the end of the day, if you can play, any golf anywhere regardless of what the green speed is and everything never it's never going to be perfect but it just comes out to hard work doesn't it so i don't know i think with coaching coachings i think people probably trust coaches too much i think because they've never been and I, I did that i was never in a position to be coached i had who co- you know i tomo gave me lessons when i was a kid 
And then I never saw really any coaches. And for a long time, I just figured it out. And then when I did, when I was like 18, 19, 20, I, I couldn't keep it on the planet. Um, and then I kind of moved to the States and figured out how to play golf rather than how to swing it perfect. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could talk about coaching and Wales golf for, for the rest, <laughs> no, the rest of time. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a lot. It'd be interesting to see what, like, have you spoke to Zach yet? No, I haven't. No, I'd, I'd like to, like, you know, because he's, he's another legend. I mean, yeah. His, his ball striking was phenomenal. I remember watching him, like, and he, he was mm. a ball striker. And then obviously, when, yeah. when, like, the goal crossed, you know, I think he was like 16 or something, and he, you know, yeah. had the sort of world at his feet then. And then I, but I didn't, you know, kind of move on from there. I think that he took mm. the kind of coaching route. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it'd be interesting to hear, like, because, I mean, I was never really good enough to, you know, like, make it you know like i say make it i was never like in the spotlight to okay this kid's going to be on tour whereas like zach pewey um i mean those those two were like okay we're playing competitive golf yeah like they you know as a kid when you're playing with these people or around them you're like this guy's going to be on tour and then you know five six years later you're like why aren't they playing on European tour? And there's clearly a reason, and it'd be really interesting to hear their story on it, especially Pewie's. I'd love to hear Pewie's side of things. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, he was phenomenal. Was he about 16 when he played in the World Cup? Something like that, or 17? Yeah, I think he had the... Where did he... Yeah, he, played, he just said that one out... The first time he played it, he made, like, every single putt he looked at, and they, it was up in Scotland, I think, somewhere. It rained the whole time. Um... And then the second time they lost because they got hammered. They played it like yeah, easily. <laughs> That's good. It's good. Yeah. I mean, like basically, uh, Ben. Ben was. I think he mentioned you last time I saw him. He was saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, check out your podcast and stuff." So I did. And uh, and Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd as well was saying, you know, about how he photographed you and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I got <laughs> most of my. I think my email signature is one of Lloyd's pictures. Oh. Wow. Um, was quite funny because I think it was the day before I was flying out to somewhere. I was flying like the day, and I was I had all my Welsh stuff packed, and he's like, "Bring all your Welsh gear," and everything was like in the suitcase. Yeah. So I had to unpack everything, go up, and he took like a few. It was in like the Southern locker room. Uh, I was expecting him to, you know, be struggling to get back into it because that's like a really bad injury, and yeah. like he hits it just as good as he did. Like there was no difference to his ball. Like his ball striking is <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, he probably hit like 17 greens, you know, his iron play just makes me want to cry, like, you know, because he crushes oh, yeah. his irons. And he hit a lot of fairways, and his putting was actually pretty good. Like, I mean, he holed a few uh, putts, so he shot like two under. He's never played the course before, but his, obviously his iron play is so accurate with his yardages. Yeah. He, he doesn't really need to have played there, you know, because he just knows how far he hits it so well, which is quite quite interesting but I think he wants to play in a few events now he's getting kind of keen again now he's settled back somewhere you know he's got, got a place and that you know his son's growing up he's wants to kind of get back playing it's, and I hope he does because you know he's, he's a great player like that yeah, yeah. He, he's the type of person that like that just won't play you know he, he doesn't play golf for two or three weeks or a few months and shows up and like I said shoots two under and you just think what I don't know how are you doing like, like how do you do that uh <laughs> And he, you know, he just that, that's what he was like when we, we played a lot of team golf together. I played a lot of golf for Wales, and and we played a lot of we played a lot of golf for Wales because we played golf for Sundown together. We played first team golf with him for a long time, and for for a long time, he thought my name was Gaz. 
So he called me the first time we played golf together. He called me Gaz for the first like the entire round, and then it just stuck. And he's like, so every time if I play golf with him, and like anyone's there who knows me, they're like, why does he call you Gaz? And so it just stuck now. As a Westgate, just called me Gaz, which is hilarious. But um, <laughs> yeah, and but he uh, yeah, we used to play we played team golf together, and it was hilarious because we just rip the piss out of whoever we played against. Because uh, Westgate's pretty, he loves a bit of talk, doesn't he? he loves banter, a bit of, yeah, he loves the banter. Loves a bit of banter, and then we played Glamorgan golf together for a while. And one of the be- one of the funniest moments we played, we were playing against, we were down in like Cornwall, down somewhere South England. We played against Jimmy Mullen in oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. match. Wow. And we're playing like on on this kid's home course, playing you know foursomes, and like we got this par three uphill. It's like just over 200 yards it's in into wind you got like kidney shaped green to like a back right pin and like short and right of this pin is like run off dead and westgate's like fired a two iron in there like hasn't left middle of the green and like run up to like 10 feet class shot and he turns to jimmy and he goes come on in mate let's see what you've got and jimmy oh. it's just like hold up five iron uh, five wood like little five wood hold up draw to a back right flag to like two feet and Jimmy just goes, it's all right. Like, that was the only time someone has actually beaten him or said, done something back after he's back chided. And it was hilarious. Well, uh, people would put uh, it off like that, wouldn't they? But I mean, like, Jimmy Mullen, he did well in the Walker Cup that year, didn't he? Help them win the Walker Cup, didn't he? And, yeah, yeah. And now he's got a kid and doing something. Anyway, he's not, like, probably giving up golf by now. But. <laughs> yeah, like, got a kid and not, not playing golf anymore. But. To be fair, though, like, I know, yeah, no, he does love the banter, but he also. It's gonna, you know, takes it well to me as well. Yeah, exactly. No, he he constantly yeah. rips into me like about you know yeah. shots and that. Like even when I hit a good shot, he's like, "Oh yeah, you get that shit." <laughs> but I'm I'm you know I'm used to it, so I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, we played probably the last the last time we played together, we played the concession together, um, which was like he, which was the second time they'd ever played it, and it's basically. Um, they changed it now, but it was it was at this place called the Concession in Florida. Amazing golf course. They played the twenty fourteen, I think, uh, NCAA's there. I think Bryson DeChambeau won it that year. Amazing golf course. Uh, but yeah, I got it. It was like the top. It was eight eight mid ams, eight senior amateurs, and then two super senior ams. And to make up a team of you know what is that eighteen people. And then we played against, you know, the U.S. team, which eight mid-ams, eight, you know. And the first round, we were eight, one down. Me and Westgate won, our, won the only point of the day. The second day, we were 16, two down. Me and Westgate won the only point of the day the second day. Uh, and the last day, like, we got, we got hammered. The last day... Um, I lost my match. I think I played. Um, who did I play? But like the the foursomes game, like we played against uh, Todd White, and Nathan Smith, and Nathan Smith's played in three Masters. He's won the US Mid Am three times. Oh yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That you know, we we played that, and then we played the the one of the, the other doubles. We played against the guy who had won the Mid Am the previous year, and beat uh, Joe Joe Fieri. There was something we played with him, and then another guy. Uh, but the US boys, they just they're always competing. They're playing on great golf courses. They they're class. And like they're mid am. Now the concession I think is just maybe like six mid ams and that's it. 
Um, but they play it every two years. I don't think and it, it should have been played this year, I think, but they haven't. But I uh, that's why I got this uh, that flag up there is from you can see that one up there. That's from it. And basically oh, that the middle thing ever was funny because everybody uh, it's got like all the teams on it and then uh tony jacklin and jack nicholas signed it uh as like the honorary captains of both sides yeah. and we signed every player signed that because it was like raffled off or given us prizes on the the day before we played the tournament they had this they had this huge am am tournament uh, so every player was assigned like three amateurs and these amateurs had paid a huge chunk of money to come to the dinner and you know they had like a band playing and like some famous guy coming to sing and uh you know like a, the panel up there was um jack nicholas tony jacklin it was uh uh irvin meyer who's like ohio state football coach just won a national championship wow. and then some guy from the golf channel was emceeing and this is the night before and we, one, like that's a, oh yeah it's class yeah and i you know most of the most of the boys from the UK had no idea who these people were, but because I'd been out here a little bit, I kind of never seen these people on TV. Uh, and we all went out and had like a great night, typical UK stuff. We got smashed that night, and then woke up the next day to play the MM <laughs> with our like guests. And you know, it's a humid summer day, and I'm yeah. hungover playing at seven o'clock, seven thirty in the morning with three guys I've never met before, oh. and they'd equally <laughs> been drinking. They'd been drinking as much as I did the night before. Uh, a one guy like he couldn't hit it out of his shadow. I'm thinking this is going to be the worst day ever. Like it's you know 30 degrees, it's humid Florida. I'm hungover and I have to put on a face to make sure that like I represent some you know I'm going to present you know, pre- present myself. And my team actually came like third in the MM, and that's we got I got that flag in the mail like three years later, or three oh, months wow. later. So none of the players got that flag, only the people who like did well in, in the tournament. Um, so yeah, I managed to, Westgate hates it. He hasn't got one. <laughs> we signed, we were signing them for like 30 minutes because we signed a bunch of them, but they oh, wow. either gave them away in a raffle or like three other <laughs> people. So I managed to, because Mike wanted to win something and I, I, was, I was not good that, you know, that day. I was hungover. Like, <laughs> I was miserable. Um, but I mean, you know, the day, you know, you got, it was like night out, am am, and then the tournament side the next day. So by that point, I was yeah. ready to play, and you know we we played pretty well to be able to, uh, you know, take two oh, points. Have you has, have you been to the Masters? Then like it's not a Masters. No, and not yet. I really want to. Yeah, really want to. I'd love to do that. There's a, uh, it's it's mega expensive. But yeah, it's like I say expensive. You can do it on like a budget, but. The way that the way that you want to do it, there's a, the local that golf course that I said that I worked at. They have a trip every year. They have a house that they rent out, ten bedroom house that comes with a chef, and wow. it's like two and a half grand for two days, um, not including the flight down there. So you're talking three three grand uh, dollars, but that's the way you know. If you if you're gonna do it, like you're gonna do it right instead of staying in a hotel that's four hours away, driving in every day for. a Five hundred dollar ticket, you know. So there's a great. Uh, I'll send it to you once you know once we're done. There's a great video story of a mate of mine who went down there uh, and bought a fake ticket on the gate. What? Um, oh like, yeah, he. Like. Yeah, it, it's 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 a fun. It's a hilarious. I'll send. I did a podcast on my golf series. 
Did he get it? Well, yeah, I won't. Yeah, he did get it. I won't ruin the story for you because it's hilarious. I'll send it to you. Um, yeah, I heard he, that, he, like, um, have he you heard Sandy Lyle? Sandy Lyle was, like, because he's a past champion, he charges out 50 mm-hmm. grand, like, 50,000 if anyone wants to go play with him the week before the Masters. And oh, then nice. I heard a couple of people in the UK have gone over there, and he, it's just basically it's just like a money-making thing for him. You know, he just, yeah. hey, I am the Masters, because he can. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, when's the last time he made money doing stuff? You know, like... Yeah. That's that's a big a big earner for him that week, isn't it? Oh, big time, yeah. But John John Daly, he doesn't get in, does he? But he goes down the road with his truck, his loud mouth, yeah. or whatever, park, and just tells parks at Hooters, yeah. Parks <laughs> at Hooters car park and signs. Yeah, signs, those are legend. legend. Oh, I know, man. Yeah, send me that. That would be awesome, buddy. And I'll yeah, it's hilarious. I'll keep watching. Well, watching, listening to the podcast because yeah, they're pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, the most recent one was pretty nuts. Um, had a lady who was an alt world. She's got four world records and ultra marathon running. That's insane, man! Yeah, ultras next level, and it? it's just so long. That's a good one. But yeah, I'll send you that video. It's uh, it's it's a bit nuts. But all right, Betty. Well, I think I've uh, been given my orders. Like I've got to go and uh, spend time with my kids now. <laughs> Can't talk good golf to chat to you, mate. Yeah, yeah, awesome, man. Thanks a lot. It was brilliant. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. No worries, mate. Talk to you later. I'll see you later. Cheers, mate. See ya.